right. Well, what a blessing. Amen. I'm glad to be here tonight. And um, we are from Arkansas. Amen. You have to take your shoes off to cross the border. And uh, we minister to the hillbillies there. Amen. It's a blessing. Have a great ministry there. We started in our home with 14 people uh, a little over 30 years ago. And uh, God's been really, really good to us. Amen. I tell people we started from scratch and we're still scratching. Amen. And uh, it's a blessing. So uh, I'm honored to be here tonight. And uh, I love the Lord. And I love people. And uh, I love pastoring. I love preaching. And I'm glad you're here tonight. Amen. I really am. If you have your Bibles, turn to Amos chapter number 8. Amos chapter number 8, and um, Amos chapter number 8, and I begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. And let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father, we love you. We sure do. And I thank you for the choir special tonight, Lord, and the special music. And just thank you for allowing us to be here tonight in this place. And Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that you'd open our hearts and to receive what you have for us tonight. We sure do love your word tonight. And I pray you'd bless uh, the message to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The last Sunday in August 1966, my mom and dad got saved at the Wesatch Avenue Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. My dad was a state trooper and uh, my mom worked for the revenue office or the driver's license office. And um, anyway, they were lost. They'd been through uh, confirmation and catechism and they were religious, but they were unchurched as adults and they were lost without God and without hope. And the last Sunday in August, 1966, my mom and dad walked into this Baptist church kind of as a last ditch effort. They were having some problems in their marriage and they really wanted to try to make things work for us kids. And they'd never been to a Baptist church before. It was a church of about 700 people at that time and there was a door in the back and then a door up here and they kind of sat in the middle and my dad said if anybody messed with them, they were out of there. He kind of heard about them Baptists, you know. And so uh, anyway, uh, nobody messed with them that day until the preacher man started preaching. And then somebody a lot bigger than, than the preacher man started dealing with my dad's heart and my mom's heart and, and uh, the man of God took the word of God and preached the gospel that day and when the invitation was given that Sunday, uh, I was just a little six-year-old boy, a little red-headed boy, and, and uh, I saw my dad crying, and I'd never seen my dad cry before. You know, my dad had big arms, and he was stout, and, you know, um, I looked up to my dad a lot, and I looked over there, and he was crying. Tears were running down his cheeks, and when the invitation was given, my dad looked at my mom and said, Honey, I don't know about you, but this is what I need. And they stepped out that day and came down to the altar, and the man of God took the word of God and led my mom and dad to Jesus Christ. And God gave me a new mama and a new dad. And I'm so thankful that he did. And you know, at that time, they were just lost people and they got saved. My dad used to go bass fishing on Sundays and, and uh, would have an ice chest full of beer and, and all of that. And he'd kind of drink the beer and put fish in the beer's place and all that stuff. But 
Uh, when he got saved, he had long neck Lone Star beer bottles in the refrigerator door of our refrigerator. And, and I saw God change my mom and dad. And they poured those bottles of beer down the double sink in San Antonio, Texas. And man, I'll tell you, we had a, it was a great church. You know, and they had a strong emphasis on the word of God. And, and every Sunday, my first grade Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Griffin Jones, we had our memory verses. And, and uh, man, my mama would help me. I wasn't very smart, but my mama would help me to memorize God's word, to hide God's word in my heart. And man, I was so excited to go to Sunday school and I had my King James Bible in one hand and I always had my offering envelope in the other hand, you know. And man, I was so proud. I wanted to give something in every category. You know, I was given to missions and to the building fund and to others and my tithes. It might have been a quarter, but I'd put a nickel in every category, you know. And that was really cool back in those days, you know. And so anyway, wow, what a blessing. And and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things were going on during that time. And, and uh, you know, my first grade Sunday school teacher, she really, we had the same birthday, uh, July 21st. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes uh, in your Bible, uh, of course. Uh, but July 21st, and I'm a 1960 model, so that means I'm 62 years old. Well, anyway, as a little six-year-old boy, Mrs. Griffin Jones said, boys and girls, if you'll learn the books of the Bible... I'm going to take you to the San Antonio Zoo. And at the San Antonio Zoo, they have this place called Monkey Island. And man, I was a little boy and I thought, wow, that's going to be awesome. I want to go see those monkeys, you know. And, and uh, wow. So my mama worked with me. My mama worked with me and helped me. And I learned the books of the Bible as a little boy, six years old. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah. And I know the New Testament too. <laughs> and you know, I learned the books of the Bible and back during those times they were fighting alcohol and I learned this little pledge says, I promise God helping me not to buy, drink, sell, or give alcoholic liquors while I live. From all tobacco, I'll abstain and never take God's name in vain. And man, I was learning all kinds of memory verses. And they began to talk about what would happen if the communists took over America. And they said, the preacher said, the first thing that would happen if the communists took over America, that they would confiscate all the Bibles. They would take everybody's Bibles and you know, I'm six years old and I'm processing this. So I went over to the church that day and I snuck and I got everybody's Bible and I hid it. <laughs> and it came time for church and nobody could find their Bible. And so finally I had to fast up and they said, what were you doing? And I said, well, I didn't want the communists to get our Bibles. <laughs> yeah. But there was a great emphasis on memorizing the word of God, memorizing the word of God, hiding God's word in your heart. And so from a child, I was taught to love the Bible. I hate to go in concert. I've had several requests, but I'm going to sing anyway. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E Bible. Amen. Yeah. And we love the old King James Bible. Wow. What a blessing. Now we come to Amos. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments tonight about the Word of God, okay? The Word of God. Okay, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. We got all the commercials out of the way. 
Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, had the entire religious establishment behind him. And Amos was a shepherd of Tekoa. And he seemed to be standing alone, but there was somebody a lot bigger than Amos that was standing with Amos, and that was the Lord. And that may, the Lord makes all the difference, by the way. You know, we stand for the old paths, and we need the courage of the country preacher Amos to fight the good fight, and, and God help us to remain faithful, faithful, faithful to the Lord. Amen. And I'm so thankful I got a good work ethic on the farm, and he was talking about me going to be a dairy farmer. I do still have my milk and muscle right there. It's in good working order. If you want to close up after the services, we can do some photos and all that. <laughs> I have one milk cow now. Her name is Ruby. Her little heifer calf's named Cheyenne. And then I have a little adopted steer calf. And uh, his name is Ferdinand. <laughs> yeah, Ferdinand will be soon... Uh, to be in uh, hamburger. <laughs> now, looking at your Bible in Amos chapter 7 and verse number 9. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuary of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. So, and then we read on down in, in verses 10 and 11, then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos, the herdman, the country preacher, hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. And the land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive of their own Land. Wow. So Amaziah accused the old prophet Amos of conspiracy and, and uh, he was implying that Amos was committing treason against the king, but Amaziah was a liar. The real problem is that Amaziah did not recognize the authority that was behind Amos, and it was God. It's God. Just because people say something, you know, and they're smooth talkers, that doesn't mean it lines up with the word of God. And uh, he referred to Amos's message as his words. And it wasn't Amos's words. It was God's words. You better be careful there. And uh, they were God's word. And by standing in opposition to the prophet of God, the high priest of Bethel was actually opposing God. Now look at verse number 12. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Jacob, and there eat bread and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and it is the king's court. So he exercised, Amaziah did, his right as priest of Bethel to tell Amos where to preach and, and what to preach and how to preach and all that. But Amos, Amos had backbone. Don't you like a preacher that's got some backbone? tell you how the cow eats the cabbage? Oh yeah. If it rubs the fur the wrong way, you need to turn the cat around. Amen. Oh yeah. Everything will smooth out. Amos chapter 7, verse number 14. Then answered Amos, I love this, and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and, and, and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord 
capital L-O-R-D. The Lord took me as I followed the flock and the Lord said unto me, go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Amos was a God called preacher, okay? And his preaching was bold and it was accurate, okay? And it's very, very powerful. And, and look what he, he says uh, to, to, to Amaziah. And this message was for Amaziah in verses 16 and 17. Watch this. Now, therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. Thou sayest prophesy not against Israel and prophesy not against Israel and drop not thy word against the house of Israel. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, thy wife shall be an harlot in the city and thy sons and thy daughter shall fall by the sword and thy land shall be divided by line and thou shalt die in a polluted land and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. Whoa, he just kind of told him uh, what for. And he just thought he was going to run him out of town and all that. But man, he gave him an earful before he left. Now, Look at verse number one and verse number two. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he, and he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. Now, in verses uh, one and two, there's no grasshopper. There's four visions. The first was the, the grasshoppers destroying the crops. And the second one is chapter seven, verses one and two. And then there was no fire burning down the land in, in Amos seven, four and five. And the nation had, had failed its plumb line test in Amos chapter seven, verses seven and eight. And so now we come to, uh, you know, God sent them a fruit basket, okay? A fruit basket. And wow, uh, basically God said, hey, it's over. It's over. I'm not gonna pass this way anymore. The last chance was gone. The last invitation was, was uh, a verse had been sung and the service was dismissed and God was not going to pass that way again. The basket of summer fruit contained the final crop of the fall harvest uh, of the year. Soon the cold winds would blow and the trees would be stripped bare and the people would settle in for winter. But it would be too late to gather another harvest. It would be too late to repent. Are you listening to me tonight? The prophet Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Look at verse number three, chapter eight. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Wow. Verse number four, let's keep reading. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail, saying, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit. So by their, by their greed, they had mocked the, the great command of, of keeping the Sabbath. They turned the Lord's day into a day of profit and a time of deceit. And they used false measures in the marketplace and they weighed out produce on crooked balances. Verse number six, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. Verse seven, the Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Wow. The greatest possession that Israel had was their land and, and it was a gift from God. God had given their land. So God said, as surely as I gave you, uh, you know, this mighty land as a part of my agreement with you, you didn't keep up your promise. And so uh, I'm, I'm not going to forget that. That's what the Lord said. I'm not going to forget that. Look at verse number eight. Shall not the land tremble for this? 
and everyone mourn that dwelleth therein, and it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And verse number 10, And I will turn your feast into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head, and I will make it as the morning of an only son, and the end thereof as a bitter day. You know, losing the only, only son, uh, it meant the deepest occasion of sorrow imaginable, okay? It was truly a bitter day here. It was a bitter day. And Amos preached that God had delivered the final opportunity the party went on for more than 30 years. And again, Israel was not conquered until 722 B.C. But it was during those years that God sent the famine in the land. Look at verse number 11 now. Behold, behold, it's a stop, look, and listen word. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, watch this now, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. There's plenty of water in the well. The shelves at the marketplace were all stocked well. The people went to bed with full stomachs. But there was a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of the Bible. The people chose to listen to Amaziah and reject Amos. Wow, they rejected the one man's message who was fearless enough to tell them the truth. They wanted a popular preacher, not a Bible preacher. They wanted a proper message and not a convicting message. They wanted to prosper, not repent. Someone said that people don't get right with God, they just change churches. That's the problem with ministers like Amaziah. They may use smooth words, but their, their product is a famine of the Bible in the land. And yes, it's true that a smaller percentage of American people are going to church and on a weekly basis, but there's still a lot of people uh, going to houses of religion in America. According to a Gallup survey, 128 million Americans go to church, uh, uh, and this was before COVID, uh, a church service on an average week, not Easter or Christmas. And there are millions of people who have plenty of time for golf and hunting and fishing, but no time for God. Yet the 128 million people that went to church last Sunday uh, far surpasses the 86 million who will golf or fish or hunt this year. Well, more people went to church last Sunday than will go to NFL ball games, NBA and Major League Baseball stadiums for an entire year. So more people read their Bibles than, than watch the Super Bowl. So for every one McDonald's we have in America, there are 24 churches. For every Walmart, there are 80 churches. So we definitely have religion in America, but we also have a famine of the Bible. You don't have to go very far and knock doors and everybody tells you they go to church somewhere. In my town, everybody says they go to church, but yet on a Sunday, only 15% of the people actually go to church. That means 85% of them are staying at the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 2 Timothy 4, 2, the Bible says, preach the word. There's not much Bible preaching going on today. 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
Teachers who tell them what they want to hear and not what they need to hear, not what the Word of God says. They have time for everything else, for entertainment, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. But people are not getting in the Bible. And the result is we have a nation of religious people who are ignorant of the Bible. Ignorant of the Bible. And Americans have great respect for the Bible. And, and again, even though the Bible is constantly being attacked, 56% of American people believe the Bible is the Word of God and without error. And uh, 88% of American homes own at least one Bible. So there's well over a half a billion Bibles sitting on coffee tables and on bookshelves here in America. There are more Bibles than ever, but here's the problem. Of those uh, who own Bibles, only 37% read them once a week. Wow, of those who read the Bible, only 57% gave any thought as to how it applies to their life. So for all the, the, you know, who own a Bible and say they believe the Bible, uh, 75% have never read the Bible through. I came out at the beginning of the year and challenged our people, read the Bible through in 2022. That was just a little phrase, read the Bible through in 2022. And man, I've, it's been a blessing as people have been coming and telling me, hey, I've, I read my Bible through, I've already finished. And, and man, that's a blessing to a pastor to know that you're reading the Bible through. I'm just saying tonight, what a, what a sad parallel between a religion in America today and the followers of Amaziah in Israel's day. Are, are y'all with me? Hosea 4, 6, the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Look again at verse number 11 in Amaziah's prophecy. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Wow. Most people think that the judgment of God comes in the form of hurricanes and earthquakes and tornadoes and floods and blizzards and avalanches and tsunamis and all that stuff. But who would ever think that God would judge people by causing them to be ignorant of the Word of God? Isn't that sad? I mean, it's really sad. God was telling them, hey, you've rejected my man, my man Amos. You've rejected my man. You've rejected my word. You've rejected my visions. You've rejected me. Wow. God says, hey, I'm going to give you up to your own ways. I'm going to give you the religion that you crave. But it's going to be powerless. It's going to be powerless in the day of trouble. Wow. Wow. They thirsted for a religion without the Bible. And God gave it to them. Maybe some laughed when Amaziah was verbally putting Amos down and making fun of the country preacher. But the day was coming when they would wish that they had an Amos to go to. Oh yeah, look at verse number 12. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord. And shall not find it. Wow. When the wheels started falling off and the Assyrian army was destroying the land, Israel finally decided as a last ditch effort to see if anybody could get a message from God. Amaziah had no answer. Amos was nowhere to be found. Everybody look at me. Heaven 
was silent. Heaven was silent. Wow. You know, this, me- this message just makes me want to fall on my face and, and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry I haven't spent more time in your word. Oh, how love I thy law. Oh, listen, wow, I want to, we don't need less Bible. Most churches you drove by tonight were dark. They don't have a midweek prayer service. They don't have Bible preaching on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. And we're just kind of, it's terrible, y'all. It's unbelievable. Wow. I just want to say, God, God, I'm sorry. I haven't spent more time with you. I haven't spent more time in your precious word. God, I really do love you and I really do. I really do need you, God. Wow. I have a lady in my church. She's 89 years old, and she's been with me. She's one of our charter members. She's been with us over 30 years. Her name is Carol Bridges, and y'all would love her. She's a, she's a widow woman, and y'all would just love her. She's, she's a blessing. She's a good, godly lady, prayer warrior. And Carol told me a story one day. She said, Pastor, when I was a little girl, by the way, her mama was a member of our church too. She died at the age of 96 several, several years ago. And her name was Marie Lucian. And she was a good lady, a godly lady. Marie Lucian, her husband was not, not good, drunk and all that. But Marie Lucian took six children and she walked with her six little biddies, her six little babies, to Sunday school at Parkview Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. Carol said, preacher, I was eight years old. Just a little girl. And we was walking home from church. They just lived like a half a block up the road from the church and they walked to church. And Carol said, we was walking home from church that day and I said, Mama, Carol said to Miss Lucian, Mama, what was that black book that, that man was talking out of? And Miss Lucian said to her little girl, Carol, eight years old, Carol, that's the Bible. That's the Bible, Carol. And Carol told me the story how that when she was 13 years old, a teenager, her 13th birthday, her mama bought her a copy of the Bible. And Carol had her very own copy, her very own copy of God's Word. And she brought that copy of God's Word out. She still has it. 90, 89 years old, still has her Bible that she got when she was 13. And she said, preacher, when I hug my Bible, when I hug my Bible, I feel like I'm hugging Jesus. And I said, oh, Carol, that's good. Hey, listen, the Word became flesh, amen, and dwelt among us. And I'll tell you, I thank God. I thank God for the Word of God. Do you know what we need tonight at Southwest Baptist Church? And I know we got a great church and all that, but we need a revival of the Bible. Are, are you with me? We, we, we need a revival of the Bible. And, uh, and I'm praying 
that God would speak to your heart. Someone has said a shut Bible is a shut heaven. And listen, I, I want to open my, my Bible. And I want God to know. I want God to know that I love Him. And that I love His Word. That I love His Word. He magnifies His Word above His name. It's important, y'all. It's important. It's very important. And yet we, we don't treat it that way. My wife and I, we've been married 42 years. I mean, my wife would give me a little note. We started liking each other. We met at the Christian school and when she would give me a little note when we liked each other. Man, I... It wasn't like, you know, well, I think I'll get to, get to that on Tuesday. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're not waiting till Tuesday. Man, this is a love letter from my woman. And man, it was usually really sweet. Hey, what about this love letter? Hey, it's sweeter also than the honey. And the honeycomb. Wow, this is sweet. It's sweet, man. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And I just want God to know that I love Him. That I love Him and I love His Word. And I'm asking you to push the reset button and say, you know, Lord, I haven't been loving it. Not like I should. Not like I could. I haven't been spending time in it like I could and like I should. Oh, God, please help me. Please help me, Lord, moving forward. Our nation needs us. I mean, we're the light of the world. We represent the Amoses tonight. We've got a world full of Amaziahs and the, the wheels are coming off and people don't know where to turn and we have the answer. We have God's word and we can help people. God help us tonight to have a revival of the Bible here at Southwest. Let's bow our heads.